welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, today, I have a little bit of a smorgasbord to talk about. We're going to start with talking about the Rangers and Artemi Panarin's hat trick, leading the Rangers to yet another win for the Rangers. They beat San Jose 6-5 on Saturday, and they moved to 18-4-1 for the year. I'm also going to be talking about College football playoff selections. Really, they got to expand this thing to 12 teams. It can't come fast enough. And lastly, I'm going to be discussing the most important parts of each sport that are overlooked. Thanks. Let's get started. All right. So today we're going to be all over the map. And this is kind of an offhand podcast. So hopefully it comes off okay. And I want to first start talking about the New York Rangers, who won for the second time in over 24 hours on Sunday. They had a 6 p.m. Sunday game after a mid-afternoon Saturday game. They won both games. Sunday, the Rangers beat the Sharks 6-5. to five. They were led by again by Artemi Panarin, who's really having an incredible year. Panarin had a hat trick, and he continues to just be off the charts good this season. The Rangers in this one trailed early again a few times it just keeps happening to the rangers lately and they came back to take a 6-3 lead in the third period and then they hung on uh for a 6-5 nail biter type win the sharks really showed some gusto at the end there and uh really it's uh an interesting game i gotta tell you um but in the end the rangers won it and they just keep doing that it seems like that with the two weekend wins the rangers moved to what is an incredible 18-4 and 1 and own the best record in the NHL. Panarin has been spectacular all year. He had three more big goals Sunday to add to his early season success. Will Cooley has just been spectacular as the call-up, too. Um, spectacular might be a little far, but he's been a really solid piece. Um, he scored to make it the break, I should say. Uh, what was a 3-3 tie, I think, at that point? Um, and again, he played his hard-nosed type of sandpaper game. You know, He hits in the corner. He wins a lot of one-on-one battles. He plays pretty good defense, and he really helps spark the Rangers. Uh, Jonathan Quick was in goal this time instead of Sesterkin. Quick wasn't exactly great. This marks, I think, the second game in a row, in my opinion, that Quick has not been spectacular, but the Rangers won each of those games. Matter of fact, Quick has not lost this year yet. I think he's 7-0-1. I'll have to go double-check that. This might have been the eighth, one of those. In any case, he doesn't have any regulation losses the whole year, so... Um, coming in, he had like a 1.99 ER, um, goals against that I think it moved up to 2.34 after this win. But even so, Quick was good at the end. He made a couple of big saves at the very end. But most of the game, he was, I'd say, just you know average, not bad. The Rangers didn't help him with some of the <coughs> rushes and, and uh, other openings that they left open. Quick did leave a rebound or two that I would have hoped he would have played better. But even so, Quick was in goal. He won again. Um and really, again, it's another year where the New York Rangers have what may be the best backup goalie in the whole NHL. And, and you can go back, I don't know how many years, and it always seems like the Rangers have spectacular backups year after year after year. And that really bodes well. Um, feels like the 20th year in a row. Johnny Brzezinski I wanted to talk about. He really played a great game, and his speed, once again, was very, very noticeable for the Rangers, who seemed to lack some team speed on some of the lines, and I think that the Rangers need to find a way to keep Brzezinski up with the Rangers permanently. Uh, We have Kako out now, and we have Hedl out, and they'll both eventually return uh, Hedl apparently first here, but I think Brzezinski needs to stay in the lineup. I don't know what they're going to do with other folks, but it seems to me 
the Rangers really need an injection of his team speed. And it was very evident on one of the goals where he flew in, stopped something from um, going back to, it was going to be offside, the puck coming out of the zone. He kind of flew in, made a good play, set up a goal, and really all over the ice. You could tell his speed is um, impressive. And it was good to have him playing, you know, on the top line, actually, with Mika and with Kreider rather than Wheeler. You know, where Wheeler, who I'm not a fan of, um, he had another game where he was poor, turned the puck over. Wheeler's slow. He always seems like a half second behind. Brzezinski, on the other hand, was quick. He was definitely sound, and he noticeably helped the Rangers all night. Bottom line is, you know, <sighs> Wheeler doesn't seem to be someone that they'll get rid of, but I wouldn't mind just playing Wheeler on the friggin' fourth line or something at this point because um, we need someone with some speed and some zip up at the top, and I think he compliments the other guys really well. Boy, I'll tell you what, Ranger fans, 18-4-1. Sounds pretty friggin' nice to say, doesn't it? Let's go, Rangers. Next, I wanted to touch a little bit on the college football playoffs. <coughs> As you probably know by now, yesterday, I'm recording this on Monday, so Sunday, um, college football playoff selection committee selected the four teams for this year's college football playoffs, and they really, really need to expand the playoffs. It is coming next year. It's moving from four teams to 12, and never was there a better example of the need to expand than this year's selections. Who got in? Michigan was number one. Washington, undefeated, was number two. Alabama was in there at four, and Texas was in there at three. They left out an undefeated Florida State team and a 12-1 and Georgia team. And to me, Georgia's better than all of them. I think Georgia's the best team still in, in the land, but they won't even get a chance to prove it. Um, the only team that might, in my opinion, be better is Michigan. And I know that Alabama just beat Georgia. So anyone out there saying, how can you say they're better than Alabama? I think they're better than Alabama. They lost a game in Alabama, yes. So... Even so, this is Georgia's first loss in three years, over three years. They haven't lost a game, right? Um, so you lost one game by three points in three years, and somehow, suddenly, they're not one of the four best teams in the country. I, I, you got to be kidding me, guys, right? Um, Texas got in there with one loss, and Georgia did not with one loss. I, it's very hard to understand how people looking at this season, looking at this year— think Texas is a better team than Georgia. Texas is not a better team than Georgia. I don't think Washington's a better team than Georgia. I don't think Alabama, honestly, is a better team than Georgia, even though they beat them. Michigan has a chance. I don't know yet. As for Florida State, that's a tough one. They 13-0 is 13-0. You can only beat the people on your schedule, and they, they talked about not having a tough enough schedule. What are you going to do? Florida State won every game put in front of them. Now, when their quarterback goes down, I do think the committee kind of has to assess how good a team are they really without the quarterback. Now, you got to see that in the ACC championship game where Florida really struggled offensively against a pretty good Louisville team. But you could see that they're not nearly the same team without their quarterback as they are with them. And I think the committee must have taken that under advisement. And, you know, I don't have as much trouble, honestly, with Florida State not making it as they do with Georgia not making it. I don't know how anyone could look other people in the eye and say, yeah, Georgia's not one of the top four teams in the country. They've won every game 
they've played since 2020, except for one three-point loss last week, and suddenly they're not one of the top four teams in the league? Come on, guys. Come on. I mean, it's just silly. Bottom line is I'm going to be happy next year when they move from four teams to 12 teams, which should be really quite an interesting thing. I, I haven't really looked up, and I should have before the podcast. I'm sorry. But the exact format that it will be next year, I'm assuming because the number is 12, there will be f- the top four teams getting a bye. The remaining eight teams will probably play another round of a game, reducing that additionally to four. And then the four teams with the bye and the four teams that win the first round will then be matched up and they'll go from there, um, which I think is an interesting, interesting way to go. So basically, if you're in the top four, you get a bye, right? And then you first play in the round of eight, and then you play in the round of four, and then you play in the championship game. So if you are in the top four, you'll have to win three games now instead of two. And if you're not in the top four, you will have to win four more games. So that is tough. You're going to have to win the playing game. Then you have to win in when there's eight teams left, then when there's four teams left, and then the championship game. So that will be interesting to to have a really good season and then have to win four more games to win a national championship. That really, uh, that's really tough, but it, I'll tell you what, it should probably show, you know, who is the best team unless one of those teams gets upset the first round. In any case, um, that's all I wanted to talk about when it comes to the college football playoffs. So I want to move on to one last thing. So the next section I want to talk about is something interesting, and that is the overlooked but important parts of sports. So that's just things that go into assessing how a team is. Are they good? Are they bad? But things that are not written about or talked about or discussed by announcers, things that continue to get overlooked, but in some cases are critical to winning. And I'm going to go through each sport and I'm going to start with hockey because that's fresh on my mind. And certainly with the Rangers, you probably know what I'm going to talk about, and that's face-offs. And you guys know if you listen to my previous podcast how critical I think face-offs have been. And you've heard me podcast over podcast year over year talk about how shitty and suck-ass the Rangers have been on face-offs. Basically, as long as I can remember, back to their championship team is the last time I think they had a good one, 94. So 30 fucking years, they've been terrible, terrible at face-offs. And it's, it wasn't written about, it wasn't talked about. And it matters, right? Offensive, defensive zone, face-offs in particular really matter in winning games. Now, this year, you're starting to hear a little about it because they're good, right? Suddenly, the Rangers are good at it, and they're leading the league in face-offs, and and I hear about it once or twice every single game. But every other year, I have not heard about it, and it's important. And you can see this year the Rangers winning face-offs, especially big ones, offensive zone, defensive zone, are critical, and it's led to directly to some goals and to success. Trocek and the rest of the team, you know, the centers are really doing much better. Um, assistant coach Michael Peck has really helped them for that. But if you think about it, and I've said this before, you're in the offensive zone, you're down a goal with a minute left, you know, you lose a faceoff, it could be the loss of a game, right? They could shoot it out of the zone. You might not get set up again. They could throw it in the empty net. The game's over. You know, in any case, most of your chance to win is probably lost because by the time you get it back, it didn't get set up in position, you might be down to 15 or 20 seconds, right? So that's one example. There's many in the game, whether you're winning or losing, offensive zone, defensive zone, it's critical. It leads to increased puck possession throughout the game. It leads to better scoring chances. It leads to preventing scoring chances if you're on the defensive end of what I just described. Again, the Rangers have been so bad. The fact that they're finally good this year is directly leading to their success. So hockey, 
the most overlooked thing is face-offs. I'm going to move on to basketball, where I believe the next, the most overlooked thing is rebounds. And I think that's continually overlooked. And also, by the way, <laughs> as on display by Rutgers this year, who is not nearly as good as they used to be on, on rebounds. Um, we are constantly getting out rebound. And I think it's a big part of some of the problems that we have this year, whether that's our smaller guards compared to some bigger guards last year. I don't know what it is, but um, not rebounding the ball, much like losing a faceoff leads to loss of possession. So, right, you play great defense, you run around, you stop them, they take a bad shot, you're tired, woo but you don't get the offense, you don't get the defensive rebound. They get a rebound, they set it up again, and it's just, ex- it's exhausting for the defense to not get a, a rebound, and it's very encouraging to the offense, and it's something that leads to winning, it leads to success, and it's something that is very critical, but rarely talked about in basketball. Right. So if you can be successful at rebounding, if you work hard, it's not just skill like some of the other things. You could just box out, be in better position. That's one of the things in my mind, like free throws that can be taught that that don't have to be. I don't think you have to have a tremendous amount of skill to actually be good at free throws or be good at rebounding if you care enough. And and I think it's something that really needs to, you know, be be looked at more. So hockey, face offs, basketball, rebounds. Um, moving on to baseball, defense, defense, and I'll add speed in there. Um, but I'm going to start with defense. Defense is, is a thing that is completely overlooked in baseball and is almost never spoken about anymore. Um, it, it's something that you can make a double play. You cannot make a double play. You make this throw in the outfield. You miss the cutoff, man, right? You, you bobble the ball and sometimes they don't even call it an error, right? Half the time now with the scoring shit, you know, everything is a hit. So, a, a person's metrics about how many errors they have don't even really relate to how good a defensive player they are half the time because they don't call it. So not turning a double play is never an error. You can throw the ball past first base. It's still not an error because you can't, you know, assume the double play in this, you know, course shit thing. And that's one thing in my life. I actually agree with Michael K on this whole shit about you can't assume a double play in this instance, right? You know, we get the ball to Torres a second. He throws the ball into the, you know, into the stands. But pass first. Nobody advances. It's not an error. But he would have been out with an accurate throw, and he's not charged with an error. So in my mind, playing good defense is not just about how many errors you have, but how good are you, right? Are you hitting that cutoff, man? Are you making the double play, right? Are you getting to balls in the hole? Are you not being lazy and, and bending over? You know, are you making accurate throws to first base, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and a part of defense, which you know, is or is not part of it, but speed helps, right? And speed kills, right? The saying is speed never takes a night off in all sports. And that's true. It doesn't, right? Speed doesn't take a night off. If you're a fast team on Monday, you're a fast team on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday and three months from now, right? Speed never takes a night off where you might have bad pitching. You might have bad hitting. You might be in a slump. Speed doesn't have a slump. You're fast. You're fast, right? So I'm saying speed and defense, really, I'm going to put them together, are two overlooked things in baseball that are crucial, crucial parts of winning baseball that just are not talked about. And let's move on to football. The last thing, football, I have to say special teams. Um, having a good punter can change field position. Having a good place kicker that makes kick could be critical. That's clearly a difference between winning and losing. Who's a clutch kicker? How long can he make it from? You know, does he get nervous in the big spots? You know, those can win or lose ball games. How good is your punt returner, kick returner? How good is your kick and punt coverage? 
these are things not talked about very much, but can make a big difference, you know, in, in football games. And as I go through these, I want everyone to be reminded that I'm not talking about the most important things in these sports. What I'm talking about is their overlooked things, the biggest things that are overlooked that are important to winning, but not discussed. And just to recap, hockey, it's face-offs. Basketball, it's rebounding. Baseball, defense, and speed. And for football, it's special teams. These are things that matter. These are things that don't get talked about. And these are things that are important to winning. So I think it's important to think about these things when you think about the players you like and the teams that you have and how you're trying to have a whole cohesive team. Get a guy that's a good face-off center if you're in hockey. Maybe he doesn't have other things, but I'll tell you it's important. Get someone that's known to be a really good rebounder, even if he has trouble scoring. Baseball, you know, go for the guy that is a really good defender that's fast, you know, that makes contact but doesn't hit any homers because that'll help you in the long run. Football, you know, concentrate more on your special teams. Make sure you have the right kind of players in the right positions. These are things you can do that can help all your teams without, you know, focusing solely on who hits the most home runs, you know, who hits the most three-pointers, you know. How many homers did this dude have? You know, how many goals did this guy score? Important, important. Anyway, that's it. That's my podcast for you today. And I'd like to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.